Good morning, everybody. All right. Or good night, whenever you're watching this. Who knows these days, right? But hello, greetings to you. I want to greet those of you in our campuses today in Waterbury, in New Milford, and in Derby in the Valley. Those of you who are watching online, if you're here for the first time or tuning in for the first time, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here at Walnut Hill. Uh, I'm excited for today because I've got a, a message of encouragement for you today. Like, oh, good, finally, this guy's going to give us an encouraging word. Finally, been coming to this church for 15 years. Finally, this guy's bringing something encouraging. I've got an encouraging word. Don't we need some encouragement today? Yeah? Is anybody with me? Is anybody hopeful for this encouraging word? I'm not trying to put it too high on a pedestal right now, but I've got some encouraging words for you today. Um, I carry a message for those of you who are hurting I carry a message today for those of you who might feel a bit broken, for those of you maybe who have some, some habits that need some overcoming. I carry a word with you, for you today, for those of you who need some peace in your life, who need some hope. I have a word for all of you today, <laughs> a word of encouragement. I remember uh, several years back, one of my friends invited me to do one of these running races called the Ragnar Relay Race. I didn't know what this was, but um, I thought that I would do it. It's a, a relay race where you run 192 miles, not you as an individual, but your team collectively, 12 of you. You get in the van, and for us, we went up to Cape Cod, and we, we ran from Hull, Cape Cod, to Provincetown. Uh, something like that. And you each have a leg in the journey and you pass it along and for 48 hours you're in a van together and you're traveling. Well, I only knew one of the people that I, I went the first time and, and I remember him saying, hey, come with me, it's going to be a great time and we're going to run and we have a lot of fun together and you should come. W will you go on the journey with us? And I said, sure, I'll go on the journey. I can tell you this, friends, there's no better way to get to know somebody than to lock yourself in a van for 48 hours and run with them, right? There's no better way, really, to know somebody and to get to know somebody until you journey with them, right? Until you, you go on a trip with them, until you experience time with them, until you journey with them, in my case, until you start to, to run with them. I wanna invite you over these three weeks, this being the first one as we lead up to Easter, I wanna invite you to take a journey with Jesus. Would you go on the road with him? Would you walk with him in this journey to the cross and to the tomb and to the empty tomb and to Galilee? Would you get on the road with Jesus that you might learn something new about him, that you might see something in him that would just reflect and reveal something of God to you that you've never seen before? Will you get on the road this Easter, the road with Jesus that you might be enlightened by who he is? that something might come alive in you because of this journey that you take. We're in Matthew's Gospel. We're gonna be in Matthew's Gospel as we travel up to Easter for these next three weeks. And today we're in chapter 20, verses 17 to 19, which was already read for you. But let me give you a little bit of the context here. This is the third time that Jesus would predict his death and his resurrection. The third time. Now, the first time that it happened, Peter would rebuke Jesus. This is in chapter 16. Jesus would say, listen, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise from the dead. And, and Peter rebuked Jesus for it because he had no space in his mind or understanding to see a Messiah that would be put to death. 
And so he rebukes Jesus for it. That doesn't turn out so well for Peter, does it? Jesus says, get behind me. And the worst thing you want to be called on the whole, on the whole planet, I think, is Satan, right? Get behind me, Satan. Peter made a, a mistake here. He wasn't able to see what Jesus was trying to do. The second time that Jesus shares this message of, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be mocked. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise again from the dead. It comes in Matthew's gospel, chapter 17. And it says this, that the disciples were filled with grief. Why were they filled with grief? Well, this one that they had been walking with, this one that they believed was the Messiah, was now telling them that he was going to go to the cross to die this embarrassing death. How could this happen? And they're filled with this this grief. Now this third time, Jesus, he's on the road, he's, he's turning towards Jerusalem. And this is what I want to talk to you about today, because here on this particular road that Jesus is on, he's turning towards Jerusalem. He, he's making his, his intentions known that we're, we're headed to Jerusalem, something uh, miraculous, something important is going to happen when we get there. And it says in our passage today that they went up to Jerusalem. Did you catch that? When you look at the map from Judea to Jerusalem, you're actually going down to Jerusalem. You're going south. But they were going up in in a few different senses. They were going up because Jerusalem was set on a hill. And so they were going up physically in a sense. But also spiritually they were going up. If you were to go to Jerusalem, you were going to the place where God resided, where his very presence was, was in the temple. This was a a going up spiritually. We're going to be in the presence of the Lord. And so Jesus says, we're we're going up to Jerusalem. And then he pulls his disciples aside in this third prediction. And he pulls them aside and and he's going to speak to them. This is Jesus kind of saying, listen, we're, we're headed somewhere. I really want you to know what we're doing. Let me pull you aside so that I can deliver a very important message. Have you ever been pulled aside before? Maybe you're thinking back to like eighth grade or something. <laughs> a very important message needs to be told. Stay in your seat, right? Maybe your parent or somebody's pulled you aside. Maybe, maybe your boss, your supervisor or somebody, maybe your spouse. These can be good and bad moments. You never know, right? But you're pulled aside. What happens when you're pulled aside is there, there's a message that wants to be delivered to you. You've got to hear this. And then Jesus puts this punctuation on. I love it. He says, listen, right? <laughs> So he's already pulled them aside. You'd think that they would be listening. Wow, he's pulling us aside. Something important is coming. But now he's saying, listen, I'm about to explain something to you that's going to go outside of your understanding. I'm about to explain something to you that, that you really don't even have a world that you've created within your mind to comprehend. Listen, listen. Friends, I think Jesus would want to be saying that to us right now. Right here in this moment in the life of the church, I, I, need you to, I need you to listen. I need you to really focus on my message and my ways. Maybe for some of you, you don't even have a, a world constructed to understand this just yet. So come, I'm pulling you aside. I'm pulling you out of the world. I'm pulling you out from all of these influences and, and other messages that have been inundating you for so long. Come over here. Now listen. I'm going to share something that might not make sense to you cognitively. I want you to open your heart so you can see the bigger picture. 
And this is what Jesus is doing. He says, listen. And then he gives this, this message to them. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be sentenced to death. I'm going to be handed over to the Romans. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be whipped. I'm going to be crucified. You have to think at this point, the disciples have no space in their mind to even hear what Jesus says next. But on the third day, I will be raised from the dead. Friends, what if you were on the road with Jesus that day? How would you have heard that? I want to invite you to get your feet on the path right now. Use your imagination to to get there as, as if you were walking with Jesus and he pulled you aside that day. Listen to the inflection of his voice. Lean in to listen what the Lord might be saying. What would you have seen in Jesus that day? What would you have observed? I have words of encouragement for you today. Three words of encouragement. As I've been reflecting on this passage, as I've gotten my feet on that path with Jesus These are things that I've seen in Jesus that I wanted to share with you that I hope bring great encouragement. Beyond that, I hope it brings great healing for us. That as we look at Jesus, these are three things that I see in him as he turns towards Jerusalem. The first is this, I see his tenacity. The second is, I see his humanity. And the third is, I see his victory. Let me talk about his tenacity. I like that word, his tenacity. This is a word of encouragement because our Jesus is determined. When you look at Jesus and he's turning towards Jerusalem, you see his determination, his pure determination. He was going to accomplish what God sent him out to accomplish. I love that when I look at Jesus, I see Jesus as as one who is never distracted from his purpose. He never got scared off of his mission, praise God. He had lots of opportunities to. Right away, when he was baptized, he was taken into the wilderness by the Spirit. He was tempted for 40 days, but he doesn't buckle under the pressure. He doesn't lose his identity in this moment. He knows exactly who he is, and he overcomes the temptation of the evil one. I think of how constantly Jesus was interrogated by the Pharisees, tricked, tried to, they tried to trick him over and over again, but he never bowed to their kind of thinking. I think how Jesus constantly uh, was questioned by his followers, yet he never second-guessed his methods and his ways. No matter what, Jesus was determined to accomplish what he came to accomplish. No matter what, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, no matter the trouble, no matter the words that were said about him, No matter if people betrayed him or spit on him, no matter what, he was determined to fulfill what God called him to. Praise God. Praise God that we serve a Jesus who's determined. Do you know that he's determined? Have you encountered Jesus in his tenacity? (laughs) Have you encountered Jesus' determination? I I think many of us have. Do you know that our Jesus, he's determined to find you? He's determined to seek and save the lost. Have you experienced the determination of Jesus? 
when you were going a different road, yet he was determined to find you on that road. Has anybody experienced that? Yeah. You were going the wrong way, yet Jesus found you in that place. You were saying the wrong things, yet God and his grace found you there. This is our Jesus who's determined to seek and save the lost. I love how in, in the Gospels there's this story of Jesus, and, and he's, he's going from Judea to Galilee, and it says that he had to go through Samaria. Have you read this passage before? Did he have to go through Samaria? No. In fact, it was unlikely that he would go through Samaria. As a Jewish person going through this, this Samaritan place where the two would not interact. Talk about division between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. Real division there. And usually what the Jewish people would do is take the long road around Samaria so they wouldn't have to go through that town. So he didn't have to go through Samaria, but he did have to go through Samaria. Why? For the gospel. He had to go through Samaria because he had to meet this woman at a well, a Samaritan woman. Why? Because Jesus had to show the world that this gospel good news was for all people, even the people you didn't think it was for. He had to go so that we could learn that this good news, that, that our God, he seeks and saves all people. He had to go there. I love in, in Luke's gospel, chapter 15, this is what Jesus says. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I love how Jesus goes after the one. He went after you. He came after me. That we serve a Jesus who's tenacious, who's determined to find you, to meet you on the road wherever you are. I think of the story in Luke's gospel, chapter 19, of Zacchaeus, this tax collector, and Jesus has a meal with him, and it says this, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. When I see Jesus turning towards Jerusalem, he knew what he was headed into. He knew what, what laid before him, yet he was determined to accomplish what the Lord had placed on his life. He came to find you. But not just to find you. He was determined to find you, and he's determined to find you so that he can fill you. I love that our, our Jesus he says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus, he seeks us out so that he can reveal himself to us, so that he can fill us with his presence. Why is he so determined to seek and save us? So that we might know him, encounter him, and be filled by him. But he's also determined to find you because he wants to show you the extent of his love for you. Do you know that you're loved by the God who created you? When you look at what Jesus accomplished on the cross, you see 
such love, such pure love, real love for you, that he died for you. He was determined for you to know how much he loves you. God shows us how much he loves us by going to the cross and dying for us. His forgiveness shows us how much he loves us. His grace reveals his love. His sacrifice shows us his great love for us. I remember when I was dating Becca, I wanted to to share with her how much I loved her. And so, you know, I thought about what can I do? And so I thought, wow, take her to a nice meal. It's a good start, right? Come on, it's a good start. I'm like, wow, I could, I could write a letter. It's getting better now, isn't it, folks? Right, it's getting better, right? That's all I could think of. <laughs> That's about it. So I did those things, right? So I, I, I took her out to a meal. I wrote her a note, right, and got her a gift and, and gave her this to her and shared, wow, you know, I love you. Look at, these, look at how I'm showing you this, right? And I think, I think it worked a little bit. I think it worked a little bit. God wants to show you how much he loves you, and he has. Look at the cross. It's better than any love note that I could write. It's better than any gift that you could receive. Look, look at the cross. Our God, he, he wants to show you how much he loves you. Will you take the trip and look at the cross? Will you look at the empty tomb? This is God shouting how wide and how deep his love is for you. He loves you. I think there are some folks right now who have been told that they're unlovable. Maybe there's somebody sitting right now in the New Milford campus who who just thinks, man, I've been told this lie that, that I'm not lovable. I want to throw that lie so far away. I want to distinguish that lie right now for anybody who's believed it. No, you are lovable. In fact, you have a God who loves you so much that he went to the cross to die for you. Look at the cross. If you want to know who you are, if you want to know how valued you are, look at the cross. He didn't just write you a note. No, he gave you his life. He loves you. Be encouraged today, friends, that you have a God who who loves you. When I see Jesus on the road to Jerusalem, I see his tenacity his determination, but secondly, I see his humanity. You know, when I hear Jesus, when I try to listen to his words as he's turning towards Jerusalem, I'm reminded of his humanity. He was tempted. He lost loved ones. He was betrayed. He was judged and sentenced. He was wrongly accused. He was passed over. He was hit and made fun of. These are all human things that we can experience and many of us have experienced. And when I see this, when I look upon Jesus walking towards Jerusalem, I see a Savior who understands. Praise God. That actually we can never look at God and say, you don't get it, God. You don't understand my pain, my hurt, my struggle. Because yes, he does. Yes, he does. He knows he's been betrayed. He's had wicked words shared over him. He's been hit. He's been crucified. You know, I'm always amazed that so often the struggles we go through and that we live with become our greatest opportunities for ministry. 
I think of a friend of mine named Peter who's been in a cancer battle for over 15 years and how he ministers to so many here in the life of this church through our cancer support group. The struggles and the battles he's faced have become one of his greatest areas of ministry. I think of a friend of mine named Sarah who lost her husband several years ago and now how she's able to come alongside with great care and compassion for those who have lost spouses. I think of my friend John who battled his addiction and overcame it and how he has this wonderful ministry to those who are battling their addictions as well. So often when you experience something, you become equipped to minister the love and compassion of Jesus to people who are going through similar things. Now what if we had a Jesus who couldn't relate to us? We don't. We have a Jesus who's gone through struggle, who's gone through trouble, who's been accused. We have a Jesus that we can look to and turn to and say, Jesus, help me through this because you understand. I felt like the Lord had a prophetic word for us today, and it's this. If Jesus himself were standing here, I believe he might say, you need to know, friends, you need to understand that I understand your pain and I'm here to help Jesus was mocked. There might be a a young person in Waterbury right now sitting there knowing what it feels like to be made fun of. Maybe you're a young person sitting and and listening to this online today and you know what it feels like to to be bullied. And Jesus wants to look you in the eyes and say, I understand. I understand what it feels like to be mocked. Come to me, I'm gonna help you through this. Jesus knows what it means to be sentenced. Maybe there are folks listening to this who have been wrongly accused, wrongly judged. You need to know that Jesus, he understands. Maybe some of you have lost loved ones in this season, a very difficult season, always difficult to lose a loved one, particularly in these last couple years. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus passed away. You need to know that Jesus understands Maybe for some of you, you've been betrayed or there's been words that have been said against you or there's been conflict in your relationships. Jesus knows betrayal. He knows about words that that stab like daggers. He needs you to understand that he understands. Jesus was tempted. Maybe you're battling a temptation. He understands. Bring it to him. All of us need to know that he understands and he's ready to help us. Will you let him in? I have a few different rules in my house and one of them is no slamming doors. Becca has a horrible problem with slamming doors. I'm just kidding, just kidding. She's, well, hi babe, she's watching in Waterbury. Please come home. I'll, I'll write a note, <laughs> take you out to dinner. Apparently that's all I know what to do. No slamming doors. Sometimes our girls will push the doors on, on each other. And one day I came home and, and one of my girls, I won't let you know which one, but one of the older ones, um, was in her room and, and the door was shut and, and one of the younger ones was wanting to get in. And, um, and the younger one was actually pushing against the door. And then I realized the, the, the oldest, one of the older ones um, <laughs> was actually leaning against the door. 
as the, one of the younger ones was trying to push it through. He's going, come on, let me in, let me in. No, you can't come in. And this is going on. And I just, I don't like this because little fingers get caught in the doors and all this kind of stuff, right? And I came up to see what was going on. And the little one actually had a plate of, of sliced up apples and peanut butter because she knows that her older sister likes this, right? But the girl on the inside doesn't know what the girl on the outside's holding, right? It just doesn't want her in there. I was like, hey, open the door. You don't know the blessing that this one has for you. Friends, you know, some of us are trying to just cope with life and figure it out all on our own, and we have these hurts, and we have these brokenness, and, and, and Jesus is right on the other side of the door just saying, hey, let me in, let me in. I'm actually here to bless you. I'm actually carrying something that's gonna be for your good. Will you let him in? Will you let him in? I love that on the road to Jerusalem, I see his humanity, that he understands and he's able to help. The last thing I want to share with you is this, is that when I look at Jesus on the road to Jerusalem, I see his victory. Amen? I see his victory. You know, when I see Jesus turning towards Jerusalem, I see his victory. Every time that Jesus predicted his death, he also shared that he was going to rise from the dead. <laughs> I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be hit. I'm going to be crucified. But on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. <laughs> So he almost needed to pull out a bullhorn on that one because they couldn't hear it. But every time he says, but listen, on the third day, I'm gonna rise from the dead. You might see defeat when you look at this picture, but I see victory. When I see Jesus walking to Jerusalem, I see victory. At the time, the disciples were filled with grief, but we have the, the privilege of seeing the whole story and we get to see victory. When I see Jesus walking to Jerusalem, I see a curtain torn in two. As Jesus on the cross is put to death, the curtain in the temple is torn in two from top to bottom, meaning no human could do this. God did this. And it was the curtain that separated God's presence from his people. This was a clear indication of what God was doing. He was releasing his presence to all people. When I see Jesus walking to Jerusalem, I see victory. I see a curtain torn in two. I see women standing at a tomb, amazed that the stone was rolled away. When I see Jesus walking to Jerusalem, I see Thomas placing his fingers in his wounds. When I see Jesus walking to Jerusalem, I see an angel of the Lord saying to the women at the tomb, He's not here, He's alive. When I see Jesus walk into Jerusalem, I see victory. I see Peter jumping into the water just to get close to his Savior. I see crowds of people gathering around the risen Lord Jesus Christ. When I see Jesus walk into Jerusalem, I see the disciples watching Jesus ascend into heaven. And I see on Pentecost the Spirit falling and filling his people. When I see Jesus walk into Jerusalem, I see myself about eight years old, sitting in a vacation Bible school camp, hearing the good news and sensing the presence of God for the very first time, I see victory. When I see Jesus walk into Jerusalem, I see victory. What do you see? What do you see? I don't just see Jesus on a cross. I see what the cross accomplished. I don't just see an empty tomb. I see what the empty tomb speaks to. That Jesus is alive, that he speaks to us and that he walks to us. These aren't just great symbols. 
They're symbols that point to a reality that we have a God who walks with us and speaks to us. When I see Jesus walking to Jerusalem, I see my little Reese, 11 years old, who had been struggling to hear from God. She said, like, oh, I, don't, I don't often hear from God. Just keep praying, Reese, keep praying. And one night she was praying. She's like, Lord, I want to hear your voice. What do you want to say to me? She told me several days later after this happened, but she came to me and she said, Papa, I heard, I heard the Lord speak. I was like, wow, what did he say? She said, he said, just be yourself. See, she had been struggling to try to be like the other kids. You know, there's all these different groups of people and you gotta you know, try to look like them and all this stuff. By the way, we do this too. The Lord said, just be yourself. And she walked into school differently that day, just feeling, well, I've been created unique. And she went into her homeroom class and she opened up her Chromebook. And on the Chromebooks, there was this you know, background that had been there for ages. And her little heart just said, let's, let's go and look for a new background. And so she went into Google and she Googled happy backgrounds. Praise God, good things came up, right? <laughs> and the first thing that she saw was this, this screenshot of the, this saying. It said, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Amen. The first thing, be yourself. It popped up on screen. And also she said, wow, that's exactly what God said to me. Be myself. So she printed it out. And now it's in her locker too. And she sees it every morning when she goes to school. Two days later, she's in her Spanish class. And her Spanish teacher decides to share a song with the students. And it's a song called... Soy yo. I had it translated <laughs> by one of our friends here, Liz. Thank you, Liz. And this is what the, the song says. Don't worry if they don't accept or approve you. When they critique you, all you have to say is, this is me. Be yourself. Was God speaking to Reese? I think so. I asked her if I could tell this story, and she just said, because she's the one who might not want me to tell the story. <laughs> she just said, Papa, it was a powerful day. You see, this is what Jesus died for. Not that we could hang a cross around our neck, but that we could walk with him in relationship. That we could see him and hear him and know him. When I see Jesus walk into Jerusalem, I see victory, friends. I hear a voice that calls us from heaven. I hear a, a spirit of God within us moving us. I want you to be encouraged today that you serve a Jesus who's determined. He's determined to seek you out, to find you and meet you, by the way, not with condemnation, but with grace and mercy so that he can transform you and change you more in his likeness. I want you to be encouraged today that, that Jesus, we can see him in his humanity. And whatever your circumstance is, whatever your situation is, he understands. Open the door that he might come and heal you. I want you to be encouraged today that he is victorious, that he's alive. Now, we don't just have a religion called Christianity. We have a walk of faith as we walk with Jesus. I wanna invite you to take the journey with me over these three weeks. Will you take it? Will you go on this journey? Will you go on the road to follow Jesus? Will you imagine yourself with him? Will you learn? Will you look upon your savior? 
If so, I wanna challenge you to something very specific and tangible. I wanna challenge you over these next weeks leading up to Easter to read through Matthew's Gospels, chapter 20 through 28. This is the journey that Jesus takes from Judea to Jerusalem, to a cross, to a tomb, to an empty tomb, to Galilee. Just over these next weeks, I'd love for you in your, in your time with the Lord, in your quiet time, to, to spend time reading Matthew 20 through 28. Take the journey and see what the Lord might do. I pray that this has been helpful. I pray that it's been encouraging for us. If it would be encouraging to anybody else, please share it with them. That we all might take a new posture of hope and joy, knowing that we have a God who has seeked us out, knowing that we have a God who understands, and knowing that we have a God who is victorious. I pray all this in the powerful name of our King and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.